Thanks so much for joining the New Life Rabina podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist to simply see more people more like Jesus by planning and leading thriving local churches. You've joined us as we explore what is darkness to light. Easter is a time of renewal and rebirth where we reflect on the teachings of Jesus and the ultimate act of love that He showed us on the cross. Through His resurrection, we are given the gift of eternal life and the promise of forgiveness. We pray this message brings hope, redemption and faith. It's a really special day. It's not an ordinary day. And, you know, this day we celebrate some really important things and I've got a quote that's going to go straight to the heart of the matter. Let me read it to you. It's from a theologian by the name of Charles Spurgeon that says this, Jesus Christ was up on the cross, nailed, bleeding, dying, looking down on the people, betraying Him and forsaking Him and denying Him. And in the greatest act of love in the history of the universe, He stayed. He stayed. Friends, this morning we gather to remember and to relive this incredible moment, this incredible moment of the greatest story of love in the history of the world, that 2,000 years ago, Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, the Son of God, came and paid the price for our sins, for our human failures and our human faults. He paid that price on the cross And today, Jesus, that same Jesus, He is here and He seeks to make His claim on your life and on my life. To accept forgiveness that Jesus offers us, friends, is to walk in grace and in freedom. And that is what is on offer for us today, this Good Friday. Have you come expecting anything this morning? Have you come expecting that God would move and speak and touch your heart? Maybe you've come um, not really knowing what to expect at all here on Good Friday. Maybe you've got some questions or you're curious about what this all means. And friends, no doubt, no doubt you've come here having walked through some stuff this week. Maybe Easter for you just actually stirs up tensions in your family. Maybe there was that argument in the car on the way to church this morning. Maybe there's some stuff of your week things with your colleagues that just weren't left in a way that's given you a sense of peace and resolution. Maybe there's some stuff that, you know, you've acted or reacted badly to something. Maybe you're feeling just like a terrible parent. Are you carrying burdens? Are you feeling the weight today, this Good Friday? We're so glad that you're here. My name is Fiona, and as we continue to move into the service this morning, I'd love to just share with you my own personal story about what Good Friday was like for me a number of years ago. So friends, my, um, I've shared a little bit about this before, but my, my young adult years were really rough and I did a great job of hiding it most of the time. But from the senior years of high school right through until I'd almost graduated from university, I just lived with a really significant feeling of Inadequacy, like in my gut, I just always felt, I always carried around that I was a letdown, that I was inadequate, that I was actually a bit of a failure. 
And that, that just had its real effect on me, and particularly through my young adult years, and particularly reflecting on the fact that I know that some of that stuff was unresolved stuff from my childhood. But what it meant for me was that when I came into this sort of emerging into the real world as an adult, I was making some terrible decisions about where I was going to live, the relationships I would have, who I would socialise with, the kind of jobs I would pursue, all those sorts of things. I was doing a really bad job of making decisions there. On one hand, I was actually, you know, well-liked and I was kind and generous person, but on the other hand, every element of my life felt like that it had this brokenness about it. Every element, and, I, and it weighed heavily on me, it sat heavy in me, and it really weighed me down. And then in my final year of university, um, I travelled back in the Easter break to visit my family who were living on the central coast. And my family were attending Terrigal Uniting Church and my brother had recently become involved in a young adults and youth group that met on a Friday night. And as I've come home for this Easter weekend, my brother just invited me along to attend this sort of evening that was going to be taking place. I was absolutely elated at his invitation. I immediately said yes. <coughs> then I thought, oh, hold a minute. <laughs> Why am I so excited? Like a church thing? Like, what's going on there? Um, I had no idea. But here's the thing. I was really excited to go to this thing. It was like it sparked something in me. It was like a little match to a bunch of dry sticks. I just sort of caught a glimmer of hope, I think, a seed of some sort that was, that was being planted in me that maybe, just maybe, there was going to be like a relief from what I was going through. Maybe, just maybe, things could get better Maybe, friends, it was the magnetism of the cross doing its work in my life. But then later that day, Andrew, my brother, came and told me that he'd got it wrong, that the youth and young adult thing wasn't happening that night because it was Good Friday. And I was like, no, I was absolutely devastated. I wanted to throw myself on the floor and beg my brother, could you get them to have it anyway, even though it's a public holiday? Instead, I just reached for the nearest thing I could find and I threw across the room a picture frame. And it smashed everywhere. And I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. And looking back, you know, I just realised... That moment, that was my protest about the sin in my life, about the weight of the world and the brokenness and the evil in it. It was my personal protest to the sin in my life. And friends, sin really does matter. God's justice demands that we that he take evil seriously, that he can't just wipe it away. He can't just turn a blind eye as if it doesn't matter because the whole of the Old Testament sacrificial system was setting up God's people to realise that sin really mattered, that sin was costly and it was to teach us something about that. But also God's love demands that sin be taken seriously because sin destroys the people that God made. Sin actually destroys those he loves and it defaces the delight that he has in creation. Sin was really destroying my life. As someone who did, God did love, as someone who God did delight in, 
even though I didn't know it yet at that time. And so after this outburst, I just scrunched up all that pain and I just sort of took those longings and that despair and those burdens and I just shoved them back in from wherever they came from. I just wondered about what life was going to be like going forward. I just wondered what the rest of my life was going to look like. Let's turn for a moment to scripture again, as Lisa read so beautifully. Let's hear again words from Luke 23, verses 32 to 38. Two others also who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching and the leaders scoffed at him saying, he saved others, let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him, coming up and offering sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, this is the king of the Jews. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Did you notice as we were listening in those readings that there isn't actually a specific description of crucifixion in the narrative? It's actually for a reason. You know, everybody who would have been reading Luke's gospel and indeed the other gospels would have known perfectly well what crucifixion actually involved and what it was like. The readers of the day would have had all the awareness that they needed to know that crucifixion was used very commonly that it was used and intended to be humiliating and painful. And that it was usually reserved for those who were slaves or lower class, lower class individuals. But did you also notice how many different people and people groups, all for whom Jesus came, were also there to witness this crucifixion? The crucifixion of Jesus, there was Jews and Greeks and Romans and others like Samaritans. There was religious leaders and soldiers and mocking crowds and some who just simply stood and watched it all happen. I want us to just focus us for a minute on thinking through what it was like for the Roman centurion as he witnessed what happened to Jesus on the cross. As he did his job, the events that unfolded, I actually think that for this Roman centurion, something about Jesus got to him. Something about Jesus got to him. This guy would have been very used to the sight of someone hanging with their life slowly seeping out of them, with each breath a little harder than the last one, eventually till all of their strength gives way and they suffocate under the weight of their body. In his years of being in the army, he may have seen many people crucified. He may have nailed many to the cross, but yet there was something about Jesus that he had not seen before. There was something different. I think that most of the time, most of the others who had crucified were different from Jesus in that Jesus was actually silent. Not sullen and sulky, but he was actually quiet, quiet most of the time, as if he had actually made some sort of peace about this pain. 
as though he'd actually turned and embraced the whole thing, as if he was doing it willingly and as if he was doing it for something, for something. Another part of scripture, 1 Peter tells us this, that for Christ suffered for sins once for all, the righteous, Jesus, for the unrighteous, us, in order that we might be brought close to God. Jesus did this for something. And you know that God had determined that through this historic event of the sacrifice of his son, that salvation for the world would be accomplished. But yet some people, some people wrongly considered that Jesus' death was trying to satisfy an angry and vengeful God. The cross, friends, was not cosmic child abuse, as some sceptics of our faith actually have put it. Rather, Christ willingly went to the cross on behalf of all people. Jesus lovingly and perfectly accomplished this work of of redemption. And we really need to see today that along with those who witnessed the crucifixion, that there is no discord between the Father and the Son. There is just perfect harmony, a holy trinity of love. Another theologian says it like this, we must never make Christ the object of God's punishment or God the object of Christ's persuasion for both God and Christ were subjects, not objects, taking the initiative together to save sinners. We can put this more simply as you might want to explain it to a child. My son, when he was four, asked his Sunday school teacher this question. Where was God when Jesus was on the cross? And his Sunday school teacher answered him, Harry, God was on the cross. Something about Jesus got to the centurion. Jesus on that cross looked so gentle and peaceable and loving and compassionate. Prophetic echoes from the book of Isaiah speak these words the same. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to slaughter, like sheep that is silent before its shearers, he did not open his mouth. And again, in this in this scene, there is great irony that's playing out. I don't know whether you heard it as in the reading, as Lisa was reading, but there is great irony being playing out because there are people that are crying out and scoffing and mocking and sneering at Jesus and saying things like, if you've saved others, save yourself. Friends, Jesus is dying in order to save them. And in doing so, he cannot save himself. He is dying to save us and bring us back into right relationship with God. There was something about Jesus that really got to the centurion. And then after Jesus had been hanging there for three or more hours, the centurion heard Jesus say these final words, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he died. And the centurion said the first and possibly only thing that came to his mind. He said, this man was truly God's son. This man was innocent. He was righteous. He had done nothing wrong. He's not on that cross for his sins. 
He is there for ours. Friends, before Jesus had died, before his life had drained out of him with blood dripping and outstretched arms and his feet fastened to that tree, Jesus said something else that would have shocked the watching world. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. They're nailed to that cross. Jesus is interceding to his Father for a muddled and sinful world. Forgiveness. Forgive them, Father. Forgiveness. Is that it? Is that what really got to the centurion? Is that what me, for my story, as I look back, is that what I was yearning for? Is that, is that the thing? Is that the thing that I was longing for all those years ago? Is that Jesus who is forgiving? That's what got to the centurion. That's what got to me. I think that needs to get to all of us. It hasn't already. Again, Isaiah reminds us that he bore the sins of many and he made intercession for his forgivers, for his transgressors. Jesus is praying for those all around him for forgiveness. He's face to face with his father in prayer. And he's pleading the ignorance of people as the particular reason to forgive. Jesus on the cross would be the place where and the means by which God would meet his people in grace and forgiveness. I don't know about you, but like I'm guilty of far more than simply just the pleading of ignorance. But yet there is Jesus full of compassion, no accusation, no condemnation. Speaking those words to the Father, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Even in that, he's being so kind to us. And I think that this is the point, friends, that in that moment, that this bloody and dark moment, this miscarriage of justice, this terrible suffering, this offering of Jesus, his full self to the will of God, this is how God is dealing in sovereignty and in love with the weight of the world's evil and the pain and the sin and death and death itself. This is how God This is how God sovereignly and lovingly is dealing with the weight of the world's evil and pain and with death itself. He offers forgiveness to us. Us, sin-soaked, forgiven by a blood-stained Saviour. And friends, it's forgiveness no matter what. It is forgiveness no matter what. There is immediacy in these words. You can find that forgiveness right here and right now. Are you sorry for your sins? Then I say to you, you are forgiven. And these words, as we have been thinking about what it means for us individually, what it means for us to think this thing through, to put ourselves back in that story, we now actually are going to think about what it means for the world. Because Jesus did this 
Jesus took this, took this forgiveness and He proclaimed it to the world. This was the forgiveness of Jesus for a world that's broken and there are terrible things happening in our world at the moment. Terrible things happening in our world at the moment. Unspeakable evil is taking place across our planet. And these images and this reality, in this it is absolutely the most appropriate place for us to remember the love of God and Jesus' words offered of forgiveness. We, I, maybe I'll speak for myself, I often take on the stuff that we see that's happening in the world. It gets to me. In an instant, I can know any terrible thing that's happening around the world because we have this thing called social media. We have this thing called a digital age. At any moment of any day, I can know terrible things that are happening all over the world and I can take that on. And in doing so, I forget that Jesus takes it away. That's what He did at the cross. He actually took away the sin of the world. And for me personally, as a Christian, and maybe for you, wherever you're at, that's actually got to just absolutely revolutionise your prayer life. Because I can actually pray about those things that are happening in the world and know that Jesus takes away the sin of the world, that I needn't take it on, that I can pray. Or at least if, if you don't know the Lord, that it must actually be so beneficial for your whole mental outlook to know that there is a God who says, forgive them, that offers forgiveness to a broken and hurting world. Thank God, thank God that there is a time and a place where forgiveness is not just talked about, but is experienced. And on the cross, forgiveness is demonstrated in God's actions in Jesus Christ. In God, in God's gracious love, we see before our very eyes what forgiveness means. Because heck, we don't know what we're doing. We are mindless and we're blind to the truth. Yet forgiveness is never held back. It's offered it to us all. <laughs> Friends, there's just a few things to mention in closing this morning. I believe that God is really making His appeal to us this morning, this Good Friday. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His steadfast love towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far He removes our transgressions from us. God is making His appeal to us this morning. And God is wanting to forgive us, not judge us, not condemn us, but rather offer us the gift of salvation that has come through faith in Jesus Christ. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. This morning we have the freedom to accept this. We have the freedom to accept Him as Saviour, to hear Him say to us, Father, forgive them. Friends, this is Christ's prayer for you. Receive it by faith in the work of Jesus Christ. I'm just wondering if you are able, would you stand as we just come to a moment to respond? If you're able, would you stand? Just as a family, I've just had this 
this on my heart for us to do together as we bring this um, beautiful time to a close. And what I've had on my heart is just simply in a, in a prayer that we offer, to simply say, Jesus, thank You for the cross. And I'm just wondering if this could be a prayer that we all say together. But this is a moment where we get to just declare as a family our gratefulness for today and for what Jesus has done for us. So just maybe I'll say that prayer and then you can just say it as well. Jesus, thank You for the cross. Why don't You say it? If you're online, why don't You say it? Jesus, thank You for the cross. Jesus, thank You for the cross. Jesus, thank You for the cross. Oh God, we're so thankful. Thank You for the cross, Lord. Hallelujah. And I also have it on my heart today just to mention one more thing. Wanting to speak particularly to people who might be new to faith today, have come to church for the first time, who have come maybe because you always come at Easter, but something's really got to you today. Maybe like me, when I threw that picture frame across the room, I was really needing a way out. I was really needing a way out of the burdens of the things that were placed on me. I'd put on myself just the weight of sin in my own life. Maybe you resonated with that. And maybe this morning you would just like to simply indicate that you have come to receive what's on offer. And what's on offer this morning is forgiveness. Not Jesus isn't offering you a payment plan for your forgiveness. He's offering you forgiveness complete and whole, life transforming, new life in Him, forgiven and freed. So if that's you, would you like to put your hand up just so that I can pray with you, so we as a church can pray with you. If that was you, if you're needing a way out of stuff, if you're needing right now to know for the first time or the 50th time, the forgiveness that God offers us today in Jesus Christ, would you put your hand up? Would you just let us know? Would you put your hand up? Thank you, Lord. We just take a moment for people to respond. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for those hands. Well, thank you for your forgiveness that's flowing. Thank you that you're meeting people right where they're at now. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Church, let's just pray a prayer together. We do this as our family. Just acknowledges that there are people in this room today that have made very brave decision to follow Christ and to receive that forgiveness. Would you pray it with me after I pray this prayer, especially for those of you who've just made a decision. Thank you for the love, for your love. Jesus, for your grace for me. Thank you that you willingly went to the cross to pay the price of my sins. I'm sorry for the things that I've done wrong. And I confess my sin to you now. And I receive your forgiveness that I can walk in grace and freedom. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me now and into eternity. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the New Life Podcast. If that stirred something within you or you would like prayer, you can head to church.nu forward slash prayer or contact us through our Instagram or Facebook page.